And welcome back to The Word Encounter, episode 91. Uh, let's pick it up in Job chapter 22. We see that um, we're about to enter the third round of speeches from Job's friends. Uh, Job was uh, uh, stating to his friends his state of lament, and they were coming at him in the first round of speeches kind of harshly. And then Job would respond to each one of them, and then they had a second round of speeches, and in many cases they came at him even harder. And so uh, they weren't really comforting him so much as uh, they were condemning him. And so, uh, and he would respond to them in the second round of speeches. So this is the third round of speeches. And so we see here in chapter 22, Eliphaz replied, uh, can a man be of any use to God? Well, first, let's stop. Absolutely man can be of use to God. And so <laughs> throughout history, for centuries, you know, man has been of use to God in carrying out God's will. And it says, can even a wise man be of use to him? Absolutely. A wise can even be more used to God than the unwise. Verse 3, does it delight in the Almighty if you are righteous? Absolutely. It is said of David that he was a man after God's own heart. And so we know that this pleases the Lord. It says, does he profit if you perfect your behavior? Not really. God doesn't profit if we perfect our behavior. And so our perfecting of our behavior is really for us you know, uh, not, not for him. And so God can delight in his children, just like we delight in our children. The relationship is no different. And so Eliphaz is out of school here. He's, 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 he's stating his opinion, but he's wrong. It says in verse five, isn't your wickedness abundant and aren't your iniquities endless? And so he's talking to Job here, you know, he says, he essentially said, Job, you know, your, your sinful behavior should be obvious and it's never ending. You know, and you need to get right and stop trying to be righteous when, when, when we all know that you're not. That's essentially what Eliphaz is saying. In verse 6, For you took collateral from your brothers without cause, stripping off their clothes and leaving them naked. You gave no water to the thirsty and withheld food from the famished. While the land belonged to a powerful man and an, influ and an influential man lived on it. Uh, you sent widows away empty-handed, and the strength of the fatherless was crushed. And so he's making accusation here against Job, but none of it is true because we've already heard the Lord tell Satan, you know, uh, when he said, consider my uh, servant Job. You know, he's righteous and, and, and has integrity in all his ways. And so these are not the acts of a man with integrity or righteousness. And so uh, we see that Eliphaz is, is basically speaking his opinion because once again, his belief is that none of this stuff should be happening to you if you weren't a sinful being, is essentially what his position is. He says in verse 21, he says, Come to terms with God and be at peace. In this way, goodwill will come to you. Receive instruction from his mouth and place um, his sayings in your heart. If you return to the Almighty, you will be renewed if you banish injustice from your tent. And so again, he's assuming that Job has left the Almighty, which, which Job has not. And then he's telling Job um, <clears throat> that you, you, you will be renewed, you know, if you banish injustice from your tent. If you get rid of the evilness uh, from your tent, then you will be uh, renewed. And so, <laughs> but none of this is true, you know. <laughs> In verse 25, he says, the almighty will be your gold and your finest silver when you delight in the almighty and lift up your face to God. And so, you know, he's telling Job what to do. And Job is more than willing to do any of this stuff. 
But Job just is dumbfounded because he doesn't know what the deal is. He doesn't know why he's in this position. And so, again, these are assumptions made on Eliphaz's part as well as his, as his other two friends. In verse 30, it says, He will even rescue the guilty one who will be rescued by the purities, by the purity of your hands. In other words, and so Eliphaz is telling Job that if you just get right with God, then even unrighteous people will become pure before God because of your hand. And so that, that's kind of a backhanded compliment, but it is what it is. And so in chapter 23, in verse 3, Job says, in his reply to Eliphaz, if only I knew how to find him, him being God, so that I could go to his throne, I would plead my case before him and fill my mouth with arguments. And it says in verse 7, then an upright man could reason with him, and I would escape from my judge forever. And so, you know, Job's position is, if I could just get before the Lord, as in a court of law, and state my case, then the Lord would see, because he's reasonable, that I'm not guilty, and he would lift his hand from me. And so the assumption that Job is making is that it is God's hand that is on him. and It's not God's hand. It's Satan's hand that's been on him. God allowed it, but it's not God's hand that's on him. And then it says in verse 12, he says, uh, I have not departed from the commands from his lips. So Job is saying, I haven't disrespected or, or disregarded um, God's commandments. Uh, I haven't departed. I have treasured the words from his mouth more than my daily food. But he is unchangeable. Who can oppose him? He does what he desires. He will certainly accomplish what he has decreed for me, and he, um, he has many more things like these in mind. Therefore, I am terrified in his presence. When I consider this, I am afraid of him. Now, I got to be honest with you folks. I have a strong degree of fear with regard to the Lord. And sometimes that word fear is translated as uh, respect or awe. And I have all of that, but I also have fear, as in trembling type of fear, when it comes to God, when it comes to what he um, expects of his children. And, uh, and so I can feel Job right here. I can, I can feel him when he says, therefore, I'm terrified in his presence. When I consider this, I am afraid of him. In chapter 24, it says, why does the Almighty not reserve times for judgment? Well, he does. We just don't know when they are. And so, uh, but again, they don't know this back in these days. And it says in verse 2, the wicked despise boundary markers. They steal a flock and provide pasture for it. Um, they drive away the donkeys owned by the fatherless and take the widow's ox as collateral. So Job is describing what the, what the wicked do and how they seem to get away with it. And they face no punishment because of it. And it says in verse 4, it says, they push the needy off the road, the poor of the land are forced into hiding. And so Job was wondering, again, you know, like, the wicked do these things, yet it doesn't seem like they face judgment. It doesn't seem like they face punishment. Why? <clears throat> and then he goes on to verse 5. And he says, um, he, he's now describing the poor, what happens with the poor. He says, like wild donkeys in the wilderness, the poor go out, uh, to their task for forging of food. Uh, the, the desert provides nourishment for their children. They gather the father, fodder in the field and glean the vineyards of the wicked. What does that mean, glean the vineyards of the wicked? And so gleaning is like picking up the scraps. And so it says they go 
into the wicked's vineyard, the wicked's vineyards, and they pick up the scraps from the wicked. And so, in other words, he's saying the poor and the righteous are living off of the scraps from the wicked. This seems to be backwards to Job. Why should this be? And he says, uh, without clothing, they spend the nights naked. And so he's saying the poor and the righteous a lot of times don't have clothes and they spend the nights naked, whereas the wicked seems to prosper and they seem to thrive. Why is this? In verse 11, he says, they crush olives in their press, in their presses, they tread the wine presses, but go thirsty. In other words, they're working for other people. They're doing things and making products for other people, but they themselves go thirsty. And so, you know, Job is, is, is like, you know, I've been righteous. I've been doing what is right. And he said, and the other, and the wicked do what is wrong, but I'm the one that's suffering. And so uh, we go on to, um, to the end of chapter 24, um, as Job has, uh, has been describing these things. And he says, if this is not true, then who can prove me a liar and show me that my speech is worthless? So he's telling his friends you know, I've witnessed this. I know you have witnessed. I, I know you have witnessed this. I'm not lying. If I am, prove it. And so then in chapter 25, Bill Dead speaks. He says, how can a human be justified before God? How can one born of women be pure? Even if the moon does not shine and the stars are not pure in his sight, how much less a human who is a maggot and a son who is a worm? In other words, Bildad's position is, who can be just before God anyway? So certainly, Job, you're not just because, you know, you're, you're a maggot and a worm, basically, relative to God. So there's no way that you can be just. None of, none of us can be just before the Lord. This is, his, this is his perspective, and this is his opinion. He's essentially, how can anybody be born of a woman? How can any human be righteous and just before God. And so you certainly are not just because you are human. And in chapter 26, Job responds, How have you helped the powerless and developed the arm that is weak? How have you counseled the unwise and abundantly provided insight? So he, he's, he's coming back at, uh, at Bildad. It's like, look, what have you done? How have, how have you helped anything or anybody? You know, he's being very sarcastic with him. Tell me, what have you done? And really, uh, Bill Dad cannot respond to that. And then Job keeps going. Now, it's interesting here <clears throat> that we don't get a third response from Zophar. I, I wonder if, if Zophar was just like, you know what? I'm tired of this. I, I can't go back and forth with this dude on this. He's convinced he's righteous. I know he's not. And I'm just not going to participate anymore. So, but we don't get any more responses for, uh, from Zophar. And then in uh, chapter 27, it says, Job continued his discourse saying, As God lives, who has deprived me of justice, and the Almighty who has made me bitter, as long as my breath is still in me and the breath of God remains uh, in my nostrils, my lips will not speak unjustly and my tongue will not utter deceit. I will never affirm that you are right. I will maintain my dignity until I die. I will cling to my righteousness and never let it go. My conscience will not accuse me as long as I live. So, so Job is doubling down on his righteousness. He's, he, you know, he's saying that uh, I am not going to listen to you, and I'm never going to let go of my righteousness. I'm never going to let go of, of feeling as though I have been wronged. And I'm going to take this to my grave. 
And that's that, you know. And so he goes on to say some more stuff in chapter 27 um, with regards to his belief in his righteousness. And so uh, we take a little, you know, a little detour here in chapter 28. And uh, in, in my Bible, the, the subtitle or subhead is A Hymn to Wisdom. And so here we have a hymn or a poem or whatever, and it goes over wisdom. And it, you know, this, this could, it's not written exactly in the same prose in the same way, but this could, this could certainly be in Proverbs. <laughs> and so um, in chapter 28, let's start here in verse 1. Surely there is a mine for silver and a place where gold is refined. Iron is taken from the ground, and copper is smelted from ore. Let's drop down to verse 12. But where can wisdom be found, and where is understanding located? <clears throat> the ocean depths say, it's not in me, while the sea declares, I don't have it. God cannot, or excuse me, gold cannot be exchanged for it, and silver cannot be weighed out for its price. Gold and glass do not compare with it, and articles of fine gold cannot be exchanged for it. The price of wisdom is beyond pearls. Where then does wisdom come from, and where is understanding located? The same question is asked again. In other words, where can I find it? In verse 23, God understands the way uh, to wisdom, and he knows its location. For he looks to the ends of the earth and sees everything under the heavens. When God fixed the weight of the wind and distributed the water by measure, when he measured a limit for the rain and a path for the lightning, he considered wisdom and evaluated it. He had God evaluated wisdom. He established it and examined it. And this is what God says. He said to mankind, he said to all of us, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And to turn from evil is understanding. So the fear of the Lord, and Proverbs said, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And um, to turn from evil is a demonstration that you have comprehended what wisdom is. And so to, to turn from evil is an action. <clears throat> to fear the Lord, that's a mindset. And so we have a mindset that motivates an action. And that is when we start to acquire wisdom. When we fear the Lord and we turn from evil, then we are well on our path to being wise in all that we do. And anything else is just man's philosophy. You know, um, anything else, you know, is founded and grounded in something else. This is from the word of God. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And to turn from evil is understanding. And so if we just, you know, keep, if, if we keep that in mind, and, and if we, in my opinion, if we say, okay, what are the greatest commandments, Lord? And Jesus said, you know, love the Lord thy God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and to love thy neighbor as thyself. You know, upon all of the commandments, uh, you know, um, uh, this, this is the foundation, I should say, upon all of the commandments. And so, and we say, well, if we just keep in, wise what, and keep in mind what wisdom is and then keep in mind what Jesus says about following God, we can't go wrong. We can just boil it down to that. You know, we can't go wrong if we do those two things. And so then um, if we go to chapter 29, 
you know, the word says, uh, Job continued his discourse saying, if only I could be as in months gone by in the days when God watched over me, when his lamp shone above my head and I walked through the darkness by his light, I would be as I was in the days of my youth. When God's friendship rested in my, on my tent, when the Almighty was still with me and my children were around me, when my feet were bathed in curds and the rock poured out streams of oil for me. And so, you know, Job is looking back on the days gone by when he was walking with the Lord and everything was great. He says in verse 7, When I went out to the city gate and took my seat in the town square, the young men saw me and withdrew while the older men stood on their feet. Uh... City officials stopped talking and covered their mouths with their hands. The noblemen's voices were hushed and their tongues stuck to the roof of their mouth. When they heard me, they blessed me. And when they saw me, they spoke well of me. For I rescued the, po the poor who cried out for help and the fatherless child who had no one to support him. The dying blessed me and I made the widow's heart rejoice. I clothed myself in righteousness and, I, uh, and it enveloped me. My uh, just decisions were like a robe and a turban. I was uh, eyes to the blind and feet to the lame. I was a father to the needy, and I examined the case of, of the stranger. I shattered the fangs of the unjust and snatched the prey from its teeth. And so Job is saying, look, I was well honored. I was respected. I was essentially the man. People looked up to me. I was like E.F. Hutton. When I spoke, people shut up and listened. You know, they were kind of in awe of my presence. Says, you know, I had this, and he believes that he had all this because he righteously followed God, and so this was the um, this was um, his reward. This was his payment for being just and righteous before the Lord. And he says in verse twenty-one, "Men listen to me with expectation, waiting silently for my advice. After a word from me, they did not speak again. My speech settled on them like dew. They waited for me." Um, as for the rain and open their mouths as for the spring as for spring showers. If I smiled at them, they couldn't believe it. They were thrilled at the light of my countenance. I directed their course and presided as chief. I lived as a king among his troops, like one who comforts those who mourn. So we see that like when we started Job, I mean, yeah, when he started this book, Job was no schlum. I mean, he was he was he was like a Canaan. It's, 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 it's said that the book of Job was written in the time of Moses. And if true, there were no kings in Israel, but he was like a king in his region. And it says in uh, chapter 30, and so this is how far things have slid. Uh, he says, but now they mock me, younger men, younger, you know, men younger than I am, whose fathers, <laughs> this is interesting, whose fathers I would have refused to put with my sheepdogs. So he says, uh, he says, uh, men younger than him, him mock him. And, and, and these are children of fathers that he would not have allowed to sleep with his sheepdogs. But they're mocking him. He just says in verse 9, now I am mocked by their songs. I have become an object of scorn of them. They despise me and keep their distance from me. They do not hesitate to spit in my face. Wow. And so in verse 20, it says, I, now he's talking to God. I cry out to you for help, but you do not answer me. When I stand up, you merely look at me. You have turned against me with cruelty. You harass me with your strong hand. 
<clears throat> yet no one stretch out his hand against a ruined person when he cries out to him for help because of his distress. And so now Job is making defense for himself right now. He says, yet no one stretches out to help the helpless is basically what he's saying. I have not I have not wept for those or have I not wept for those who have fallen on hard times. Again, he stayed in this case. Has my soul not grieved for the needy? But when I hoped for good, evil came. When I looked for light, darkness came. And so, you know, Job is saying, look, I've done all these things, Lord, yet I'm being punished. I don't get it. I don't understand it. What's happening? And if we go to chapter 31, it says, I have made covenant with my eyes. How then could I look at young women? For what portion would I have from God above or what inheritance from the almighty on high? And so he says, I made covenant with my eyes, Lord. I have not looked on young women with lust. You know, I've, I've done this because of you. I'm being righteous because of you, Father God. And, oh man, there's a lot of meat here. You know what? I'm going to pick this up, chapter 31, Lamarle, because there's a lot here and I don't want to rush through it. So yeah, we're going to do that. We're going to pick up in chapter 31, Lamarle, where Job is basically stating a lot of how he lived his life as a righteous man before the Lord. And again, he's stating this, he's stating this because he doesn't understand why, why all of these hardships have um, fallen on him. And so with that, let's pick it up tomorrow in chapter 31. Bye-bye.